Welcome. Here is this past Sunday's sermon from Grant Memorial Church. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome here today. Uh, my name is Cam. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is great to be with you. Uh, after a couple of weeks being away, connecting with pastors and church leaders in India and Nepal. Uh, Pastor Steve and I, along with our uh, team members, Dave and Jane Cork, want to thank you so much for your prayers while we were away. It was both uh, challenging and inspiring to meet with and minister to godly men and women who are faithfully serving God in extremely trying circumstances. And to be reminded that God is on the move all over the world. We also had the unique and special opportunity to visit with pastors and congregations that we have and continue to support as a church. What a privilege it was to see firsthand the way that God has multiplied our gifts and offerings here to advance his kingdom around the world. So thank you for praying and thank you for giving faithfully so that we can support the ongoing spread of the gospel well beyond these walls. I've had a number of people ask if there will be opportunity to hear more about our trip. And I will say that we're in the process of setting something up. And we will let you know uh, as soon as we have some details figured out so you too can see and hear about God's work in India and Nepal. Well, this week, um, as evidenced by the lack of cool introduction and lettering of Mark behind me, we're actually hitting pause on our Mark series uh, this morning. In fact, as a church, we're hitting pause on just about everything in order that this week we can all focus on prayer. You see, church, we want to become a people of prayer. In fact, it is embedded in our vision statement, right? What we believe God is calling us to be about. Our first value in our gather, grow, go vision is gathering to pray, worship, and love one another in Christian community. Look at that. Do you notice the first three words? Gathering to pray. We believe that it is God's will for us to be a people who gather together in prayer. That we don't go about uh, doing our own thing, leaving God behind, but that we follow his lead. We acknowledge that nothing of any worth will happen here without prayer. We know that we will never find ourselves within the will of God without prayer. We know that God's miraculous work in the world will only include us, will only travel to Grant Memorial if we align our hearts with God's heart through prayer. As we saw in Mark 9 just a number of weeks ago when Jesus drove out a a demon that the disciples couldn't, we know that there are some things that can only happen with prayer and we know that we will never come to develop the relationship with God that we were created to live without communion with him through prayer. And so, as one small part of this desire, as a way to kind of begin the process of becoming a people who pray, we're initiating a series of prayer summits. 
And so uh, three times throughout the year, one in October, one in January, and one in April, we're going to hit pause on just about everything else and come together to pray as a family around different themes or topics. And the first prayer summit, as you should have heard about by now through social media or through our announcements, is this coming Friday, October 21st at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And so I invite you right now, take advantage of this, it doesn't happen often, to pull out your phones. I'm hoping this goes better than it did in the first service when people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But you can pull out your phones. I want you to open your calendar app. And if it's not already in there, I want you to create a new event for this Friday to be here at 7 o'clock in the sanctuary to pray with us as a church family. Now, for those of you who aren't doing anything, I just assume you've already got that in your calendar, right? Okay, good. That's, That's what I'm trusting. But I invite you, I hope that you will make Friday night, a priority to join us as we seek God together in prayer. And that is why uh, we're pausing most of our regular programming this week. And so uh, there's no multiply this Wednesday. There's no heart and soul on Friday. We're encouraging small groups to hit pause this week, all so that we have the time and the margin in our weeks to participate in corporate prayer on Friday night. You see, we think this is really important And so we want to remove as many barriers as we can that may keep us from being here on Friday. Uh, Well, Steve and I were in Nepal last week. A young pastor asked us, he said, "How how do we get our people to make additional gatherings beyond Sunday mornings a priority? Right, Things like prayer meetings, Bible studies, other events. He said, you know, people in Canada, they're so educated and they seem so busy. These are his words. They seem so busy. How do you convince them to make church life a priority? And honestly, I didn't really know how to answer him. Steve and I kind of hoped that the other one of us would, would answer the question. You see, this particular pastor's church may be about 200 or 250 people which is a huge church in the circumstances and area where he is. But there's about 200 or 250 of them. And on just about a day or two's notice, upon hearing that we would be visiting with them, the majority of their church showed up in the middle of the day on a weekday with Bibles in hand, ready to worship, to pray, and to learn. Right? They dropped whatever they were doing. Some took the day off of work or left work for a couple of hours to make sure they would be a part of what God was doing in their community. Right? For them, church life was a priority, and not just on Sundays, but any time the family gathered in the presence of God. And as I thought about our context, as he asked this question, I couldn't help but think about this upcoming prayer summit. You see, our prayer gatherings, compared to what our Sunday morning gatherings look like, are typically not very well attended. And so in that moment, I prayed, and I'm still praying, that some in our church family would see corporate prayer as a priority. That like in his church, people would see the value in giving up even three nights per year to gather and pray to the one true God who has already guaranteed his presence on Friday night. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, each summit will focus on a different theme, Right, something that we're asking God to do or something we want God to do in us. And the theme of this first summit is becoming a people who pray. 
Yes, you heard that correct. We're going to gather to pray that God would help us pray. What we're going to do is we're going to petition together that God would help us become a people of prayer, that, that he would spark a passion within us to come before him, to, to seek him first in all things as, church, as a church and as individuals, that we would become a people who default to prayer in any and every circumstance. We, we're going to pray that Grant Memorial would become known as a place of prayer where God is sought out, that people in our city and our province know Grant Memorial is a people of prayer. They seek the Lord in what they do and that he does incredible things in and through them. You see, church, I don't pray enough. That's the truth. And likely, if you're honest, most of us can conclude the same thing. And so I'm excited to come before God on Friday asking God to change that within me, to help me and our entire congregation increase our capacity, our desire, and our resolve to pray. Now, we know that Friday is not a magic recipe. It's not a show up and boom, your prayer life is on fire or anything. But it's the start of something that we hope will grow in this place and in our lives. And so again, I invite you to, to plan to join us on Friday at 7 o'clock for our first, but hopefully, uh, our first of hopefully many powerful Grant Memorial Prayer Summits. Now, as we seek to center our hearts around prayer this week, and as we shift our focus to conversing with God this morning, we're going to spend the rest of our time together exploring prayer. And we're going to discuss prayer this morning in relation to the one that we come to in prayer. You see, there are some prerequisites that we need to understand before we pray. And the most important thing to understand before we pray is to understand the one to whom we come in prayer, right? Which is the first prerequisite. It's essential to know that prayer for the Christian is directed at a who. You see, when we pray, we are not just throwing up thoughts and wishes out into the universe, but rather, we are addressing a person. And not just any person, but rather the person of God, the autonomous personal spirit of God. In some traditions, the object of prayer is an idol or an altar of some sort. In others, prayers are aimed at saints or ancestors or a plethora of gods depending on the specific circumstance. But for the Christian Prayer is addressing the one true God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the beginning and the end, directly. Christian prayer is not spoken through a mediator or a proxy, but is communication directly with God himself. And so if that is the case, the most important thing we can know when it comes to prayer is to know what the who is like. It's essential to understand the character of God, the one to whom we pray before we can approach him in any meaningful way. Right? And you understand how this works, right? This is the case with communication in any relationship, isn't it? Uh, think about a child and their parent. If a parent is angry, selfish, uh, merciless, and harsh, 
the way that a child relates to them, what they approach them with, what they ask for, what they tell them and what they don't will be much different than if the parent is kind, loving, gracious, and forgiving. Well, it's the same with God. If we believe God to be distant or uninterested, we will likely approach him reservedly with hesitation if we approach him at all. If we believe God to be critical or disapproving, we will likely approach him under the veil of guilt and shame. If we believe God to be angry and smiteful, we'll likely approach God apologetically and unexpectantly. However we believe God to be like, what we believe about the character of God has significant implications on what our prayer to him will look like. What we will and won't say what we will and won't expect, what we will and won't hope to experience in his presence. And so this morning, I want to look at a, at a brief list, not even close to exhaustive, of what we need to know about God in regards to prayer. If we are to pray in a way that is biblical, effective, and in a way that draws us close to his heart. And this serves as a bit of a setup for our prayer summit on Friday, but is also true of our entire prayer lives, whether individually as a family of God. These are things we need to know, prerequisites for prayer. So the first thing we need to know about God before we pray is that he wants us to pray. Right? The first thing we need to know about God is that he wants us to pray. When you pray, remember that God wants you to pray. Friends, prayer is God's idea, right? Prayer is not us just crying out to whatever is out there because we need help, like it's our idea to appeal to a higher power. No, God instituted prayer as a way for uh, him to know and be known by his creation in relationship. Right? You see, from the, from the moment of creation, the very first pages of the scripture, God has pursued relationship with his people. He's invited his people to communicate with him. And for a handful of key leaders, that was audibly. For the rest of us, it's through prayer. But from the very first pages of the scriptures, we see God initiating contact and relationship with humans and inviting them to commune with him in any and every circumstance. At Jeremiah 33, 3, God himself says this, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Friends, if we want knowledge or wisdom or insight, God invites us to pray. In Psalm 50, 15, God says, Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. When we find ourselves in difficulty, God invites us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, we're commanded to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Even when things are good, even when we're doing well, God invites us to pray. No matter uh, where we find ourselves, God invites us to reach out to him. As Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. See, this is the avenue that God has set up for us. 
that we can approach him in prayer for any reason in any season. We, you and I, have direct access to God. I want us to think about that. Think about that. I don't want us to miss how amazing this is. And it should shock us a little bit every time we prepare to pray that the God of the universe invites us to talk with him. Right? That is wild, church. It's just not how things usually work. Right? This kind of invitation is not normal. Right? Think about our, our own culture. If I wanted to communicate with, with a, a moderately high up person, like a sports star or an actor, what kind of luck would I have in getting in touch with them? Like zero, right? If I reached out on social media, they just block me or something, right? Like we just don't have access to people like that. Let me ask you, do you have the prime minister's phone number? It's probably a good thing for some of you. Does the President of the United States make his personal email available to whomever? Is it public information? No. And it's not even just restricted to that level, right? If, if I even have an issue on my cell phone, who do I have access to? You can be assured that I do not have direct access to communicate with the CEO of Rogers, Tony Staffieri. His picture was readily available online, so I just used it. <laughs> And here's the thing, I don't even, like, go down a couple levels, I don't even have access to the president of Rogers Wireless, Phil Hartling. No, my call will get me to the lowest level call center employee possible. (laughs) And if I'm lucky enough, or if I'm unreasonable enough in my phone call, I may get transferred to a shift manager. I don't know why you're laughing. I just used stock photos for those last two. (laughs) But the reality is that there's no direct access for me to communicate with the bigwigs, right? The higher-ups. Important people just don't make themselves available to those who they deem less important. But when it comes to the God of the universe, the biggest, the infinitely higher-up, He has provided direct access to himself 24-7 anytime we need. Church, don't miss this when you pray. Even Moses knew this, right? Just how incredible access to the God of the universe is. And he wrote about it in Deuteronomy 4-7. He says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. What a question. What a question for us to ask every time we pray. Who am I that I have access to God? And here's the thing. He doesn't just give us the toll-free number. He doesn't just make kind of that number available, but he encourages us to call, to call out to him. He tells us to do it. In fact, if you're to read through the scriptures, uh, all the passages about prayer, it reads much more like a command to pray than any sort of suggestion or option available to us. Right? Philippians 6, or 4, 6, and 7 says... 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in, ev- but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? He says, do it. He's not just saying, here's an option for you if you want to. My number is available. He says, do this. Matthew 5, 43 to 45, doesn't suggest, but tells us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 commands us, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Right? And this list could go on and on. There are hundreds and hundreds of prayers and commands to pray in the scriptures. But all this is to say that God has not only given us access to him through prayer, but he is pleased when we take advantage of that access. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 3. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Right? Our prayers please God. He invites us to share our hearts with him, and he desires that we would come to know him more and more as we develop a relationship with him through prayer, which means, friends, that our prayers are never a burden to God. I don't know if you've ever had that thought cross your mind, but our prayers are never a burden to God. He has given us access to himself because he wants to hear from us. And so we can come before God with the assurance that he is not rolling, our, rolling his eyes at our requests, He is not annoyed at our repetition. He is not angered by our questioning. He is pleased when we pray. So before you pray, friends, remember that prayer is God's idea. That you have direct access and a green light in any and every circumstance. Second thing that we need to know about God when we pray is that he hears us. Right? He hears us. Not only does God invite us to pray, right? not only does he say you can talk if you want, but he listens to what we say when we do. 1 John 5.14 tells us, this is the confidence we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The psalmist concurs in Psalm 66 He says, truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. I love how the verse that we read in 1 John uses the term confidence. We can pray confidently because we know that God hears Right? When we pray, we are not talking to ourselves. God is never out of earshot. He's never too busy doing something else. God hears. He listens. He knows. It is always worth praying because God will always listen. Let that sink in again, church. The God of the universe hears you when you pray in your car or in your room or wherever you utter something towards him. I think the best uh, image of this is found in Psalm 116, 1 to 2, which says this. It says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. 
Because he turned his ear toward me, I will call on him as long as I live. The, thing that, the reason I love this verse is that the original like, Hebrew that this was written in, uh, verse 2 literally says, the Lord stretched out to hear my voice. That's the literal translation. He stretched out or he bent down or came to where I am to hear me. Right? This image reminds me of when a child is trying to communicate something. Right? Now what do we do when a child is you know, babbling something? Some of us ignore them, but let's assume we want to hear. What do we do? We get down to their level, right? You ever do that? If your knees can still handle it, right? You get down to their level. You make eye contact and you focus so that you can understand what they're saying. You listen to them at their level. And this is what the scriptures say about God as it relates to prayer, He's not casually just picking up bits and pieces of what we're saying from a distance like many of us haphazardly listen to those in our household while we're watching TV or scrolling on our phones. Rather, God bends down, comes to our level, and listens intently to hear what we are saying. God stretches to hear us. When you call on the Lord, you can be sure that he is present listening to you as you share your heart. So when we pray, let's remember that God invites us to and he listens to us intently. And the third thing for us to know about God when we pray is that he loves us. He loves us. When you pray, remember specifically that God loves you. I think it'll change the way that you pray. Because there's a huge difference between speaking with someone who loves you and speaking with someone who doesn't, isn't there? You see, God is not a stranger. And while you may feel like he is at times, God knows you more than you know yourself. And he loves you. And the scriptures exhaust this point that we would never question the love of God for us. Ephesians 3.19 tells us that God's love for us surpasses knowledge. It is, we cannot even understand it. 1 John 4.16 says that God is by nature love, and if we know him, we know love. Psalm 86.15 says the Lord by nature is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says that there is nothing in all of existence, nothing you could possibly think of that can serve as a roadblock between us and the love of God. And John 3, 16, Romans 5, 8, 1 John 4, 10, among others, tell us how it was God's love that was displayed through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as his death made a way for us to be in communion with God forever. Right? When you pray, No matter what you are praying, remember that you are not praying to someone who is indifferent about you. You're praying to someone who is on your side, someone who loves you, someone who is rooting for you and desires what is best for you. Approach God in prayer as one who is for you because he loves you. Fourth thing that we need to know about God, 
when we pray is that he is good. He is good. We sang about that this morning. Not only does God love us, but God can only act in a way that is good, right? It is his nature. Mark 10, 18 says, no one is good except God alone. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nahum 1, 7, the Lord is good, right? We see this all throughout the scriptures. And here's the thing, God is not simply good in the sense that he will live up to our definitions of good. Right? I decide what is good and whatever, you know, I can decide if he's good or not based on how he fits my definition. No, no, no. The Bible says he is good. He is goodness, which means God is the normative definition of good. So what he does, no matter what we think about it, is good. Right? Whatever he does is right and pure and best. And so what that means in regards to prayer is that as we seek his will, he will not lead us into evil. As we present our request, he will not give us that which is not good, that which is not for our good. As we build relationship with him, we will experience what is pure and what is right. Think about what that means for our trust When we pray, we can fully trust in what God will do with our prayers. And we see this type of trust in the way that Jesus teaches about prayer. You see, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he, he says that we can approach God as a child approaches their father. Right? He says, you know what? Start your prayer by calling God your father. You can trust in him fully as a child trusts in a good and loving parent. In Matthew 7, 9, and 11, Jesus continues with this picture, and he says, which of you, right, this could be any of us, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? Like a good father, God will give what is good to his children. Right? This verse affirms that when we ask for something good, God will not give us something evil in its place. He will not give us a snake if we ask for a fish. But the text also implies the opposite. If we, in our ignorance, ask for a snake, he will not give us that snake. If we ask for something that is not good, whether we know at the time or not, the good father will not grant it to us. You see, if my children ask me for something that will hurt them or that they will use to hurt others, I will not give it to them. And I am a mediocre parent at best. But he is the good father, right? His answers to prayer are always good and right because he is always good and right. So think again about the confidence that we can have in approaching a God like that. He's the one who answers our prayers. And finally, for today anyways, when we pray, we need to know that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with that term, 
The sovereignty of God means that everything is ultimately in his hands. Right? And while he may not dictate or direct every instance or decision made, nothing can happen that he does not allow to happen. Right? There is nothing that he is not supreme over. God is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is all-present, and he is over everything. Right? In short, there is nothing outside of God's ultimate control. And so what that means when we're talking about prayer is that God is able to actually intervene when we need him. It means that God has the ability, the permission, the capacity, and the power to actually do something, to change things, whether physical or spiritual. The late uh, author and theologian Jerry Bridges states the the primacy of God's sovereignty in prayer. He says this, Prayer assumes the sovereignty of God. If God is not sovereign... We have no assurance that he can answer our prayers. Our prayers would become nothing more than wishes. This is really the main ingredient for prayer. That God is sovereign. That God is over all. That everything submits to him. Because if God is not sovereign, why would we pray? Prayer would be useless if God was unable to answer, if God was unable to do anything. But the Bible says clearly that God is sovereign and he is able to do anything he wishes in accordance with his will and purposes. And nothing can thwart the purposes of God. Colossians 1, 16 to 17 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You notice that said all things three times so we'd get it? Not some things or most things, but all things. God is sovereign over everything. Lamentations 3.37 says, Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? God is the one who makes things happen. Everything happens under his authority and under his watch. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. There's nothing outside of the power of God. Job 42, 2. Job concludes at the end of a long story. God can do all things. No purpose of his can be thwarted. Proverbs 19.22 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And Mark 10.27, as we studied a couple of months back, with man it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You see, in prayer, we are not throwing up Hail Marys or wishes in hopes that God might answer us or that somehow things might turn in our favor. We are going to the source, to the one who can actually make things happen. 
Church, that's the incredible truth about prayer. Not only do we have a God who gives us access to him, which is incredible. Not only do we have a God who listens to us when we call on him, which is totally undeserved. Not only do we have a God who is loving and for us and good, but we have a God who is able to do anything, which means that he is the right one to bring our request to. He is the right one to know. He is the right one to trust. And so with those truths at the forefront, that God wants us to pray, that God hears us when we pray, that God loves us, that he is good and that he is sovereign over everything, may our own prayer lives be invigorated And may our church passionately seek the Lord in prayer. May we be a people who come before the creator of all things with regularity and with confidence, praying big things that are worthy of a sovereign God. Because he is sovereign and can do all things. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, Sovereign God, creator of the universe, help us not take for granted what we're doing right now. Thank you for giving us undeserved access to you. Thank you that we can confidently speak to you knowing that you hear, knowing that you care, and knowing that you can answer. God, I pray that you would help us to live each and every day with these truths in mind. Or that we wouldn't be scrambling to find a minute or two to pray, but the question would be, why aren't we praying all the time? God, turn us into a people who default to prayer. Turn us into people who trust you with everything. God, may we know you, know your heart, and may we show our hearts willingly to you through prayer. May we learn to trust you And may we see you work in incredible ways because we know that you are over all. We pray this in the name of Jesus, which makes all of this possible. Amen. Thanks for listening with us. For more information about our church or upcoming services and events, please visit us at grantmemorial.ca or on social media at at Grant Memorial Church.